Hello? One? Two? Is this thing on? Great. What's up? I'm Powerfuse, a retired goblin sapper in Warcraft Arclight Rumble. Someone paid me to tell you about this channel, Arclight Insights, and I never say no to money. These guys have podcasts, guides, interviews, PvP tournaments, you name it. <laughs> You've got what you need here. All those marvelous creations are engineered by the folks at the explosive Prisoners of War Guild. So, if you like their mumbo jumbo, subscribe to the channel. <laughs> I did. I might even like it. Well, gotta go. Time is money, friend. Keep it real. Hey there. I'm Slade, one of the creators of ArclightBase.com, and I listen to the Arclight Insights podcast. Hello and welcome back to our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us again today. Today we are joined by Spanner, Chubb, Toasty, Trixie and myself. Spanner, how's your week been? Hello everyone, just a regular week. Uh, starting to catch a bit of some bug at the very end, which is usual when you want to enjoy yourself in the weekend. That's what you get. It has been a great week for the podcast. We've been putting bunch of new content in the on the YouTube channel on Spotify as well so it is a bit draining to produce all that so as we all know but uh, it's been a great fun then to watch and listen to the final product but yeah it was a very good week and also later we'll mention also a good week for the guild but that's a bit later in the podcast and uh, yeah uh, what about you Chub? Uh, it's great to have you here thank you for coming as a a replacement for a top snap. How are you doing today, Chubb? Yeah, I'm doing fine. I mean, uh, finally the second time here already. Like, the fan favorite, you could say. I've just been, uh, you know, looking around on the discords, engaging in conversation, waiting like everyone else for some kind of info. So, yeah, nothing much besides that. And what about you, Toasty? What have you been doing? Not much, really. There's nothing really going on for me these days. I mean, I'm researching for my bachelor thesis, doing some sports. Just had a five-hour practice session with my choir. So that was a bit <laughs> exhausting. But yeah, besides that, I'm doing fine, waiting for uh, info like everyone else. And yeah, uh, that's actually it. Trixie, I have heard that you were on a cruise it was really good. It was uh, my first cruise I've ever done. It was a nice uh, five-day cruise. We actually left on the 4th of July and came back uh, that following Friday. Uh, went to Nassau in the Bahamas, uh, Coco Cay, which is the private island for the cruise line Royal Caribbean. Had a day at sea, got nice and sunburnt on the third day, as you, you, know, you should on your first cruise, even though you try your hardest. But, you know, it happens to the best of us. But yeah, it was really, really great. Would definitely recommend if you get the chance, the opportunity to take one. And just for our listeners, here you have our promise that we will not finish the podcast today without having a short segment, Toasty singing some of his choir songs in German. Is is that a threat or a promise? Oh. <laughs> both, both. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a threatening promise. He just muted his mic. Okay, so this week there have um, been no new beta updates. 
Um, there is a little discussion going on though in the official unofficial discord with um, in the player feedback and I brought up the issue of ranged minis attacking through bridges it looks visually bad in my opinion I don't know about anyone else if they think it's good bad or I think it was so Solanus or how do you say his name that responded to you in the server, like from the Blizzard team, and he said something about the gameplay of it felt better that way. And I think I'd have to agree with him on that. But yeah, it does look kind of weird when you watch the gameplay and they start shooting things that are under bridges. Yeah, so he responded saying that they, in their internal testing, they found that it's overall the gameplay is more fun and engaging when range units can attack below them regardless of if they're shooting through what looks through like a bridge like a physical object as the he listed a whole heap of uh like potential issues where say example he used those the pyromancer who has a wind up attack animation and you have that run into the issue of say like a fast unit like the chickens where there's a group of them they run under the bridge before the pyromancer can cast their attack at the chickens so they spend their time starting their attack animation and then it cancelling because they know then no longer have line of sight of the enemies below them so it's to alleviate that problem uh, where the ranged like start to attack and then stop and then start to attack again and then stop and i can see that definitely is a valid point so i think overall they have gone with the correct gameplay idea it's just you're it's something to get used to and to play around that mechanic with bridges and high ground and low ground but okay. it's really good to see the developers engaging with the community and providing feedback uh quickly and providing a detailed insight into their thought process and game design it's really good to see so god apart from that uh, do you have anything else to that you have noticed as someone with beta access in terms of beta updates? Uh, there's no been no official patch notes. Um, there was some patch uh, notes last week, which were quite extensive, which we went through. Uh, so it'll probably be another two or three weeks before we see anything more, in my opinion. Hopefully, if it's going to be monthly with patch notes and it's consistent, that would be really nice. Then we'll know when to plan around having a larger section for beta updates and the community as a whole you know has a known month that they can play around with certain minis and combinations and stuff before they get changed especially in the beta when it's there's a lot more uh, fluctuation on changes going on reading through some of our podcast notes that we always have at hand before the podcast I can see that Toasty is one of the people that believe that we might have a bigger patch of content dropping in late July. Toasty, is this uh, some sort of just like assumption based on patterns or have you seen something written anywhere? No, it's actually pretty much what you said. Like, I'm, I try to like, yeah, find out patterns as I believe many of us do. Um, patterns in what uh, time frames um, we get infos and maybe looking out for some some certain dates when we believe it would make sense for Blizzard 
to share some info. So a couple of days ago, I looked up the, the developers that will be uh, attending the Gamescom, um, but I couldn't find Blizzard there. Only I believe Microsoft or Activision or someone, so but not Blizzard. Um, so I cancelled that out um, for the potential dates that we might get some info. And yeah, I'm just just trying to to um, put together that puzzle. And yeah, as Gora said, late July or maybe early August seems like a reasonable guess for the next bigger content drop or, or yeah patch. So, but it's it's purely purely guessing and, and assuming. All right, thanks for that as well, Toasty. Yeah, following on sort of, I guess we're on the same sort of wavelength there, thinking about the patch cadence coming through. So we're moving on to the main topic of the week where we'll be discussing map mechanics and objectives in the game, in PvE and PvP. And something extra, we have a straw poll from the community. It was based on which leader would you pick first off when you start playing War. If you're on YouTube, you can see the results up on the screen now. It's quite interesting. It's pretty balanced, I would say, overall, till we get to the, the bottom three leaders. Uh, the bottom three, uh, with the third bottom being Sneed, then Grimush, Hellscream, and bottom being uh, Kane, Bloodwolf. Kane actually got zero votes, which is interesting, as he has been described by the developers as a generic all-rounding uh, leader who can sort of fit any playstyle and group of minis in. I mean, in other words, boring? <laughs> that's one way of putting it, yes. I mean, the curse of being the jack of all trades is that you're the master of none, like they say, right? Exactly. But yeah, what's also kind of interesting from... I just want to point this out. All three in the bottom, we have Sneed, Gromash, and Karn Bloodhoof. They're all three Horde units, the Horde leaders. All three Hordes are in the bottom. Yeah, that, seemed, that, that seems a little... like That's a shame for all the Horde lovers out there. Obviously, one thing worth pointing out is uh, I can't. I believe I can recall now exactly when uh, Tapsnap put this poll out. It was it was more like which leader you will be looking forward to be available as soon as possible in the shop when the game launches. And this is the reason why you don't have Chalga and uh, Hogger in the poll because it will be interesting to know if those two were included, where they would position. I could see a rise in popularity in, um, on Sneed for what it was about two months ago to nowadays. About two months ago we, we had like one or two people vocally saying that they are interested to play Sneed and everyone else was, it was almost like a, a meme. I can see that he's gaining popularity and Chalga was all, also kind of down there in terms of popularity and interest. Do you guys believe that Shalga would be a bit higher this time, or it will be like somewhere like in between Cairn and Gromash? Where do you guys think Shalga will be if she was included in a poll? Personally, I would pick Shalga as one of my starting units. I'd say, or either her or Maev Shadow Song, just because of the I like the the quick paced gameplay of them both, or like the. I guess kind of like the thing about Chalga is she has she has this thing where she can disable turrets and that's kind of a neat gameplay thing that you can play around so I think it can 
make for some really interesting plays, where some of the other heroes are more basic in that regard, I'd say. No, I'm with you too. I definitely would have uh, voted for her as well. The um, tower turning off ability really, I think, can make at least early PvP pretty easy for the towers. It also is just a good ability to have, I think, in general, especially because she can get unbound, I believe, with talents. Yeah, yeah. I think she's very, very underrated. She can also uh, root enemies in place as well, can't she? Just one enemy? I think one and then two with a talent, which I think is also very, very underrated for people who don't realize, oh, your melee unit is going to sit there and just get slapped to death by just the one ranged Murloc. Uh, how long does it last, the root? I believe until they die. It's yeah, it's indefinite. No, she, she has like a small cancellation. I think she channels her attack. It looks like when I've seen people play her that she channels her attack and there's like a, a little second where she channels a new attack and then the tower gets like one hit in. That can't, that's maybe a bug, but I've seen some people play her where that happens. I have seen the tower attack before. I'm not sure if it's uh, working as intended or not. I believe that Trixie said that the talent makes it root 2. I believe it's two additional ones, which could make it 3. But I, I, believe, it is, I believe it is 3 as well, which is still yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. pretty pretty strong. But until you know, we get, you know, we're not a year down the line, and I don't think we'll know how strong it truly is. I think the thing that people are scared about by using that thing is because the alternative is making her unbound that seems really strong and rooting three enemies comes at the cost of her doing less damage i think people are just looking at the damage and going like oh less damage that's not good yeah do, do note that she does not attack while channeling her root okay, wait man. the root is her attack isn't it well she doesn't do damage it's just i believe it's just the channel holding someone in place doesn't that uh, doesn't that damage people i don't think so i think it does well, damage is towers, I'm pretty sure. It's a, I think it's a small amount. You're using it more for the crowd control and not the actual, you know, damage. Damage, yeah. True. Okay. So one of the, one of our uh, viewers, listeners, please write in the comments. Can you provide us a, <laughs> Correct a, a, us. <laughs> a def, definite answer of how much damage uh, Chalga provides and if it is simultaneously or not? Uh, I would take Gora's word for it here, obviously, because he has experience. So, but uh, if there's if uh, if it is not correct, please let us know in the comments. Toasty, go ahead, please. Um, so basically, <laughs> the pig lady. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, you can, so you can she, say she, the pig lady. <laughs> yeah, it's it's easier. Yeah. So she's basically a pure utility unit, right? Oh yeah, definitely one of the more support-based heroes. She does do damage though when she. So her attack is the root, and the root does do a small amount of damage to both mini and towers. I'm just watching the battle preview now in game. Oh, fantastic. I'm, fantastic. I'm sitting on the Arclight base site right now, and it says she actually has percentage damage. Oh. It deals a percentage of the target's health as damage. Th that would be even stronger, I believe. Yes, well. it is percentage damage. Um, it's one of her traits. Deceals percentage of the target's health and damage, so it'd be interesting to... So do we have the most underrated leader right here, in front of us? Confirmed on the podcast. Yeah. So she's a tank buster, basically. Yeah. yeah, she is, especially with the talent where she roots 
Uh, so it roots two additional nearby targets, but deals half damage. Uh, so it roots three targets. So that's potentially, say, Core Hounds plus Tyrion. Or like, like a Molten that's, Giant. That's, mm, yeah, or Molten Giant and two, two others. That is a lot of value for two gold. If you guys don't mind me asking, I know that we have a main part of this segment to speak about about maps mechanics but which which is your current favorite leader and would you still stick to it if it was uh considerably nerfed in my case is rivender and i would still play it if it was nerfed probably not if it was nerfed to the ground but i would still play it what about you guys favorite leader and your loyalties to it um i still think i'm gonna i would stick with razor flank i even with a slight nerf that the ability just to turn off towers and essentially root melee units, especially if we get into some really weird like melee build based meta, I I think that's just really strong unless they change it how it works mechanically. I don't think I'll be straying away from her too soon. I mean, like I said before, I think I'll be right there with you. Like either her or Maiev, but yeah, I think Razor Flank is just the all-around good unit, like for exactly the reasons we just talked about. And also I like the I like the fact that they have just the flavor of having the different factions and then the beast faction in itself. I think that's pretty fun. So I'd also go with her. And what about you, Gora? Who do you think? Actually after the podcast I will be doing some razor flank builds now. <laughs> I wanna <laughs> test her out. I've been doing now, I've sort of ignored her because like you know, range squishy. I'm on Trixie. Leader. One of us. One, One of, of us. us. One. <laughs> but overall, um, I'll probably be changing. Like, yeah, if a leader gets nerfed into the ground, and that it just becomes unviable, even if they are your favorite, I think I'll be changing around leaders depending on the meta. Yeah, realistically, we would probably all have to like at least have one leader from each faction that we like to play with, just for the PVE portion. Unfortunately, yeah, for sure. Gori, you said you're going to be testing some Chalga builds, but is she your current favorite leader? I've actually never played with her, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. And then, like, yeah, just talking about it and watching the battle preview, it's like, oh, hang on a minute, this could be quite interesting. Uh, because in the battle preview, um, they've set up, so there's a tower that's nearly dead, and there's also a, was it the Stonehoof Torrent, which is the Torrent which has the charge ability. The charge ability starts to activate and then Razor Flank attacks the Torrent and roots her in place in her like charge animation. So that's also something really strong is to shut down because Torrent, Stonehoof Torrent is actually quite strong in PvP. Oh I, wait, I just I just realized, sorry, but wouldn't she also be able to counter a Banshee then? If she can do that, like mid-charge? Could she catch Possibly. a Banshee? That could be interesting because the Banshee's four gold as well. She's only two gold, so talk about a good sales pitch. Yeah, that depends on, I believe, what, which of the two abilities has like priority. Yeah, I guess because the Banshee is not charging. The Banshee is casting an ability, I guess. So maybe she's like mid-flight and she... you can't change anything there. Uh, the Banshee does take damage in her charge and it is possible for like a high damaging melee hero with a fast attack speed to attack the banshee as she's flying in and the banshee will die what is your favorite unit my favorite unit 
Um, yeah, they are your current favorite current, either. Yeah. Uh, probably still General Drac. Okay. Um, he's been my leader since the start. Um, and yeah, he just walks up to a tower and he smacks it like in PvP where everyone's level one. I think it's like five hits to a tower and it's down. And he takes about half his health from the tower and damage. So you can essentially play a five gold cost unit semi sneakily. It's it's a bit, but you can put him in the off lane and he'll just walk down that lane and take the tower. And if you keep the pressure up on the other lane, the enemy can't really counter him in some I cases. I was a alliance simp or for Tyrion and Jaina. Not not too much for Maiev, but yeah, Tyrion and Jaina. But if they got nerfed, I would probably take a look at the Blackrock leaders because I feel like I manipulated myself with the Blackrock pitch last week. So <laughs> You manipulated um, everyone with that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. woke up three times this week shouting, Blackrock! <laughs> Blackrock! <laughs> yeah. yeah, I once I wrote Blackrock in the, in the Discord channel and in my mind I was screaming Blackrock. So yeah, maybe General Drag and, and Rand, I, I would take a look at them. But for now, as long as it stays like it is, it's Tyrion and Jaina. For those who are just listening, the order from first to last in the poll was Tyrion, Rend, Baron Rivendare, Jaina, General Drac, Maiav, Thalnos, Sneed, Gromash, and Kane Bloodwolf. And that's the order top to bottom in the poll results. One would speculate Chalga and Hogger probably would feature around the middle or top part, we would probably guess based on general popularity and the answers we had here in our podcast. I, I believe it's a fair assumption they would be featured somewhere in the middle or in the top half. I'm of the yeah. strong belief that Chalga was left out because she would just dominate the board. I'll second that opinion. Let's go. This post was made by Chalga Gang. <laughs> All right, so following on from the poll, um, discussion leading in is map mechanics and objectives inside of Arclight Rumble within PvP and PvE. Uh, currently, there's a lot of map objectives in the PvE part of the game, which is like each map is different, unique, and some maps have very unique mechanics, as we can show you for one of the maps. What map was it again? What was it um, called? The, the, you mean the PvE map? Also, so mm. I suggested to show footage of the the priestess that spawns from the cathedral, walking towards the boss and destroying the boss's magical shield. Mm. Which one was that? Well, that was in... Uh, so in Morbent Fell, the boss at the end has a um, shield, which protects him from a lot of damage. And to get rid of the shield, there is a friendly NPC that spawns on your side of the map and you have to escort her to the enemy side of the map and she will destroy the shield for you allowing you to effectively attack the boss so that's an example of one of the PvE map mechanics where it's unique and different and requires you to think differently and outside the box or maybe a little bit more and the later maps also get very different like I've been watching Gino progress on the Ren fight and your tower is actually in the middle of the map. Ren flies around on the outside, and there's four lanes into your into the center of the map where your uh, tower is. So it's a lot more defensive 
focused map by the looks of things from the gameplay that I've seen Gino play. So basically the map layout requires you to switch up your strategy, right? Yeah, so every map in PvE is different in some regards and some are very different, requiring you to think differently. It's not you have a left lane and a right lane and you push either one or both. Like the Ren fight is a great example of you got four lanes going from the center of the map heading outwards where the boss slowly flies around the outside of the map. Another example could maybe be the... I got to... Me and Spanner got to see Goro play one day and he played the Omnitron fight where we have like they have these big spawning pillars in the middle of the map and whatever unit is on the the spawning platform when it activates the enemy gets five versions of whatever got sucked up by the platform so you can essentially control what the enemy gets from that unless like he gets to play stuff on it like that that's maybe a mechanic you oh yeah that's a, a unique that's, mechanic to play around that, that's exactly what i'm talking about and um gora when you encountered those mechanics was it more like a uh, not not again i just want to play my game or were you excited to plan out a new strategy and, and play around these mechanics so yeah that one is with um sneed so the um the theme i think would be like goblin engineering so it's like a cloning teleporter on the ground then it spawns five copies out of a like essentially a dispensing mini dispensing unit so the boss spawns in molten giant to copy that um so molten giant is probably i think the tanky he's probably the tankiest tank in the game he has the highest health the other one is the org mage he will spawn that and copy it five times and org mage is a ranged aoe damage dealer which provides bloodlust to one nearby friendly unit so there's five of them so they each bloodlust each other so that's terrifying but if you play like your cobalt miner for example and the cobalt miner gets copied all of a sudden there's like what would you rather verse five molten giants or five cobalt miners De definitely um, the miners right miners probably easier to deal with you can just throw one spell at them and they like yeah like die you know they're, they're weak um pretty much any unit in the game will take care of them if not all of them so that was a straight once you work out that map mechanic and you realize oh so the teleporting cloning platform lights up and has an effect on it and then you see all that unit disappear from the platform and then five copies of them get deployed out of a duplicating unit you can play around with that mechanic and once you learn the timings and stuff it's quite easy to counter learning that is like the fun part and did so you did have fun playing around those mechanics yeah and i'll i'll be upfront i didn't bother really learning the map i just brute force my way through it the first week or two weeks that it came around like, is my, whole my, my whole strategy <laughs> is just to create a big high gold cost death ball of units that are very tanky and are backed up by the shaman healer to keep them alive and that worked pretty effectively until the org mages really came in and just aoe everything down there instantly because they all had blood lost i mean i'm not gonna be about that but uh, if i don't if i remember correctly you uh, you didn't actually see yourself win that fight did you you just send a shaman and a flame waker on their way and then you won without looking at the boss because that is yeah, how that flame waker works 
Yeah, that's that's um, quite often what happens. So once I get the push going, normally I'll try and get Core Hounds, Org Mage, Flame Waker, and Shaman together. That is quite a high gold cost though, so you got to plan around it and slowly build up those units in the push. But if you do that, yeah, like the Flame Waker gets onto the boss and the boss just melts. And to win normally is you sacrifice so much in your offensive push, your defense is quite under strain. So that's where I'll be looking at my tower and trying to defend it as best as possible and completely ignoring the offensive push and just letting it do its thing. At the moment you are in close beta, so you have the opportunity to actually enjoy mechanics and savor them without the pressure of being competing with other players for ranks and do you think that when the game comes out and the people are trying to be competitive and clear campaigns as soon as possible do you think they they will find enjoyable these mechanics or do you think they will just dread them and get those wins without a care in the world for for fun uh, I know everyone is different, but what do you think will be like the majority of people? And another one is, you just said that by brute force you were able to clear a lot of map mechanics. Do you believe that the devs should adapt it in a way that unless you follow specific strategies to deal with the specific mechanics, it is impossible to brute force the, the fight? If people want to push to be the top and they just the most efficient way obviously to get through the campaign will be to play the map mechanics as the developers intend because there is a problem and you counter that problem or that with a solution you win i think everyone yeah it will be up to like i've just been playing a couple times a day just to do complete the daily quests to get my tomes and gold rewards and that's been more than enough for me personally you know, just taking it slow, playing a little bit every day. Later on in the PvE levels, you will find that you need to play more PvP to grind XP to progress, really. Unless you have, um, like, optimal mini combination for a Pacific map and you're timing mini deployment and you're really min-maxing everything to the possible, like, highest degree to progress through a map where you say your minis might be five levels lower than the enemies you're facing in the campaign. You said there are PvP levels. Do you, as part of the campaign, f have to get a quest or something to do PvP? Uh, PvP unlocks pretty early on. Uh, unlocks at 12 skulls levels. Okay, so, so PvP that's is about... not related to the... So PvP is not related to the actual campaign itself progression. It's just a separate entity. It's a separate entity and PvP is where you can direct the XP reward from winning a match into one of your minis that you have equipped. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I think just brute forcing your way through the fight is also a strategy unto itself. But I definitely came across missions where that was just not possible without like, you know, doing the map mechanic. So for example, like if we go back to that Sneed dungeon boss fight with the clone system that was only possible because i was at a relatively lower level i think for the first week because i was still pro like leveling up through the dungeon levels until i sort of was at my maximum 
So that's why it worked there. When I was a, a dungeon level that was higher than my mini army level of one or two levels, I had to play the map mechanic. I couldn't just brute force my way through busy. Enemy mini levels was just a little bit too much for me to handle. Do you think the game will lose many players upon launch if some people cannot just brute force fights? Do you think there will be a level of frustration for being stuck in certain fights that will lead to people leaving the game? Or or the, the way you experienced beta so far, the no fight was that frustrating to lead to someone eventually leaving the game? I think there will be people that will pick up the game and they'll play one match and they'll uninstall. That's inevitable. Um, I think that goes for any game though, really. There are definitely, when I was progressing through the levels, there was like a boss where you'd sort of get stuck on or like a map where you'd get stuck on. I remember, I think it was in Ashenvale. That was like the one where the three huntresses spawn together and then they run down the right hand lane. That was pretty hard to counter because I had quite a lot of elemental damage and the huntresses have resistance. Either I had to overlevel my minis to complete the fight or change my loadout to counter the enemies and actually take some more physical based mini that deal physical damage. So the resistant trait on the huntresses wouldn't be activated. Would you like to see more map mechanics in PvP? I mean, we have like the gold nodes and the high ground, low ground thing. It's kind of a basic map mechanic, right? But would you see, would you like to see map mechanics like the priestess or the teleporter or something else in PvP? Or do you think it's more of a PvE content? In kind of regards to that, is there something you also just wouldn't want to see in PvP at all, where it would just make the game just not fun to play from what you've seen in the campaign? Um, I think of the PvP at the moment is it's just like player skill versus player skill. There's no sort of like, oh, I got the... So like, if you put the Sneed teleporting cloning mechanic into a PvP map, and then you're fighting over that control point to clone your best mini, and it's like, as soon as you achieve that objective, you've won the match. But there's like another 30 seconds while those five minis walk down the lane to kill your opponent. Uh, I don't think that would be fun. Um, where PvP is at the moment with the two maps is quite good as it's just, it's more skill versus skill and competition or comp of minis versus comp. As I said before, sometimes in PvP, uh, it's literally been a stomp in my favor or the enemy's favor where their minis have just counted mine and then there's also matches where you get where it's even in the neck and neck and it's like back and forth like taking each other's towels multiple times and you basically hit the time limit or have hit the time limit and that comes down to who has done the most damage to the enemy's core i mean it could come down to maybe in the future when we have like two versus two battlegrounds type maps maybe with different mechanics from the 1v1? Yeah, so I was thinking of as an example, like in Heroes of the Storm, there's like quick match, ranked, and then there's also brawl. And what they were doing with brawl is every week it would change to something else. So I remember like, for example, there was one week where it's uh, a selected map and everyone plays the same hero. And it's just, you know, crazy out there fun. So I think they could do something maybe like that where they have like a PvP brawl system where they introduce a PvE map, make it symmetrical 
for PvP, and then there's like the PvE map objective on the map, and it's just complete chaos. But it's a its own standalone game mode, so you can choose to interact with it on if you want to, or you don't have to. There are no comeback mechanics in PvP, right? It's just straight player skill in the map itself. There is comeback mechanics if you like, say you lose your um, your out your small towers that are in the lane, you can retake them back. But if your core hits zero health, then you lose. There's no way to counter that. Like there's no repair mechanism in the game. There's no uh, besides the uh, mining and the treasure chest. There's no other way to get a a large gold boost near the end. Essentially, no. If you do hit the timer for the last minute of the match, your passive gold income is doubled. I have had seen that where some you might be winning like slowly through attrition you might be slowly winning the match and you're pushing in closer and closer to the enemy's core and then you hit that time limit and because they might have say a lot of cycle minis where they cost one or two gold they just flood the map with minis and all of a sudden it turns in their favor because they're able to just spawn copious amounts of minis onto the map so yeah, the double gold increase at the end can change the type of battle in unpredictable ways in some ways like that, um, which is interesting to see. So it's like, hey, if you play enough and you learn, oh, okay, I have to win before that gold increase starts. Otherwise, the enemy team will win because of my composition versus their team. As we move to co-op at some stage, in the game development, which is pretty much confirmed by Slade according to the code that he's seen in the game. You guys can check it on our YouTube channel, by the way, an interview with Slade where he confirmed that he can see the co-op content already in the code in the game when it data mine it. Do you think that they will increase the size of the map or do you think they will increase the nodes or the towers? How do you think they're going to copy the Clash Royale format to a T? What do you guys think is going to happen? What's going to happen to the map mechanics and objectives? I imagine just from, you know, a straight guess that they're just going to double this map and just mirror it on both sides and essentially have two sets, maybe with one lane in the middle meeting with all four. But that's just my pure speculation. I think it would be maybe more like you have one big barracks that you both handle or well spawned from. I don't know how they do it in the other games, but if you have two places to spawn from, do you then need to like take them both out to win? How would that work? In Clash Royale, you only have one place of spawn. So you're basically defending, two players defending the same place. Yeah. I'd, I'd imagine it, it, it would be something like that. Um, so I would hope so that they um, increase the map size, also inc put more towers on the map. Personally, I'd find it actually kind of boring if they just put one uh, main building that you have to destroy and that's it and there's only one lane or, or two lanes. So basically, I, I would find it boring if it's just a, a bigger 1v, uh, 1v1 map, but I'm not quite sure how it's it would work out otherwise like i was thinking about maybe maybe about a starcraft 2 map where you have both of your uh, you and your teammates spawn in the 
same half of the map, but there's a lot of different ways to the to the opponents. You have your economy and your teammate has their economy. You produce units independently and it's just like a yeah, it, it's it's difficult to say, but I I hope it's not just a bigger map. I think they might say like what Toysus is saying is independent gold for each player. And maybe they'll do something like there'll be a high like bridges and like so one person has the spawn points for over the bridges and the other person has the spawn point for underneath the bridges. And you gotta coordinate and work your way towards through the map over and under the bridges. So the person on t like each like the two players they one can select the top and one can select the bottom spawn point and you'd want the person selecting the top to have more of a range loadout to take advantage of their being on top of the bridges for example and the person below to have more of a tanky loadout to you know uh, create a wall to stop the enemy minis coming through underneath and slow them down and then give time for the your co-op player with their range minis above you to take them out something like that could be interesting um and then as for gold, say like if you spawn a cobalt miner, I think like the gold would go to you and not be duplicated and go to both of you. So there could be like cases where maybe you can spawn anywhere on the map you like within the spawn areas and you might be taking the left side of the map and your co-op player taking the right side of the map. But there might be a lot of gold spawns on the left side of the map and you can be like, hey, you can spawn your cobalt miner over here to get these gold nodes as you're being pushed a lot harder on the right hand side and need the extra gold so maybe that will be something else they could implement in like working together and sacrificing yourself to help your opponent out so they survive yeah in a, at least in clash royale the gold is individual it's not the shared pool of gold by by the two players one thing as well is at the moment it appears to me unless i miss some gameplay out there it appears to me that the only way to win a match is to destroy the opponent's boss or tower, main tower. I don't know what is the actual name for the main tower. Let, let's call it a base. Do you guys believe that it could be fun in the game to introduce things like collecting a flag from the opponent and have to drag it all the way back to your base? Like uh, different ways to win the game rather than just destroy a specific base or, or boss? other ways to win the game and if you think this will be a good thing would you give me some of your ideas there could be so much fun with multiple game modes like that even capture the flag or just holding you know a single point king of the hill style that could add a ton of replayability especially for co-op pvp i don't know how i'd feel about that working in pve since ai usually isn't that smart and you could probably cheese it pretty easily but yeah no i would definitely be down for some additional game modes like that i personally like the idea of having different game modes with uh, different win conditions as trixie said it adds a lot of replayability to the game as long as it's not multiple win conditions in the same game mode that would be incredibly hard to balance i really wouldn't like to see that but yeah, for some other game modes, like a capture the flag kind of game, that would be that would be really fun, I believe. Be interesting to see that with unbound units, how that will work. That seems a bit cheesy, but probably effective. You still have to drag the flag all the way back, so it's it is overpowered, but it's not like game breaking. 
actually how would you how would you tell your minis that they should be moving forward or backward? If they flag, go backward. <laughs> Why are you not on the developing team? <laughs> yeah, we just heard a live string of code right there. If yeah. flag go backward. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's almost could, like Slade is here again. You could click an arrow or when you change directions, you could click an arrow or something to tell your units now to start to defend the flag instead of going forward or something like that. I'm sure they'll find a way to, to deal with it. They've uh, already got arrows for like changing directions of which lane to go down, so yeah. maybe they could just add it in and it does. you click it and it turns around, does a 180, so then your units walk the other way. Yeah, exactly. It would also add another layer of strategy Imagine if you queue for co-op PvP with a friend, you don't know what, let's say there is a selection of four different maps with four different winning conditions, you don't know which one is going to come up. So if you're trying to fight in the ranks, you need to have loadouts that are somewhat strong at all winning conditions, so it adds an extra layer of theory crafting with compositions and stuff like that. Um, in regards to having multiple win conditions that could be fun but it could also just turn into all right there's three different win conditions on this map and you take win condition one because that's the easiest to achieve and win condition two is too hard and win condition three is just too annoying to, or to, like the match will just it's it's possible but it will, the match will just go on for too long so you'd have to look at the balancing in that. But other for like win conditions, say in like a co-op fight, say like a co-op raid, if they're going to do co-op raids, which I believe they are, you could have, if you're pulling examples from like World of Warcraft raids, and you, I was thinking of the uh, Gruul raid in Outland. The first boss is the High Mountain King, forgot his name, and he has the four other guys with him. And you have to like fight all five of them at once. And there's like a kill order to make it the fight goes, um, you know, smoothly and makes it winnable. You could have that where, like, in a map, you got to slowly work with your co op partner to take multiple mini bosses down first before you can then attack the main boss. But meanwhile, say the main boss is standing up on a ledge or something and is hurling fireballs at you to make it more difficult. So whilst editing this podcast recording, we realized that this podcast was twice as long as a regular podcast, so we have decided to split it in two parts. So next weekend, we will post the second part of this podcast, which will include a continuation on the discussion of map mechanics, updates on our PvP tournament, the pre-nerfed Midwagen segment, which will include a fun game between the hosts, and finally updates on the tricky question of the week. If you like our content, please don't forget to subscribe to YouTube, like our videos and comment. And if you are listening on platforms such as Spotify, please follow us. Thank you for taking the time to follow our content and we'll see you soon. What's up everybody, it's Genesel from Twitch here and I listen to the Arclight Insights podcast. Created on the 8th of May 2022, the Guild Prisoners of War is a force in the Arclight Rumble community. We have a solid structure in place, with the roles of Chieftains, Taskmasters, Elders, and Wolf Riders. Our Discord is always active and our members are friendly, competitive, and knowledgeable. 
We will always challenge ourselves to compete in all content types in the game. If you think you got what it takes to be one of us, apply to our guild today. All the information you need is available in this episode or in the general podcast descriptions. We are looking forward to having you with us on the battlefield.